So welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeney, still joined by Shane Ambrose. And this week, we said we'd uh, take something that we recorded early on last year, actually at the World Youth Day, from Bishop Robert Barron. And Bishop Barron gave a, a lovely reflection to the youth uh, as part of that World Youth Day week. The title of the reflection was Take Time to Pray. So we said we'd listen to that, and maybe after that we can listen to a piece of music from our good friend Melinda Dimitrescu, which is entitled, Bless the Lord, My Soul. It's a joy to be with you all. This whole week has been such a privilege and a pleasure, and to be so often in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. This is what this day is all about, what this week has been all about. And the Pope's been calling us back to Eucharistic adoration. Of course, the American church is in the middle of this great Eucharistic revival, and so it's very good and very important that we're here. What I want to talk to you about just briefly today is prayer, because the Pope asked us today to focus on prayer, contemplation, silence, adoration, and there's no better context, is there, for that. First of all, everybody, what is prayer? St. John of Damascus, back in the 8th century, said, to pray is to raise the mind and the heart to God. It's a beautiful definition. Think of our minds and our hearts preoccupied with so many things. In a conscious way to raise them up to God. That's prayer. There's a negative side though in a way to that definition because it puts so much stress on what we do. I was reading recently a commentary on St. John of the Cross, maybe the greatest master of prayer in our tradition. And the commentary used a contemporary analogy. He said, for John of the Cross, think of God as like a helicopter that wants to land in our hearts. It's not as though God's off at a distance, you know, waiting us to come crawling to him. No, no, God wants to come and inhabit our hearts. The problem is, the landing ground for the helicopter is all cluttered. And so prayer, on this reading, is clearing the landing ground. Clearing out all those attachments and preoccupations and addictions and so on that prevent God from fully landing in our hearts. Clearing the ground. That's what prayer is. Don't you love when the Lord says, and, and all of Christian spirituality follows from it in a way, it's not you who've chosen me. It's I who have chosen you. God wants to come into our lives. God has chosen us. What's prayer? Opening the door, clearing the ground, letting him come. I love this from my friend, Father Paul Murray. I don't know if you know him. He's a professor at the Angelicum in Rome, great writer on the spiritual life. He said, prayer is the easiest thing of all. It's like breathing. See, we were born for prayer. We were meant for prayer. The easiest thing of all, to open the door to Christ. Okay, with that, let me just say, I make three simple points about prayer and then make a few little practical recommendations. 
You know, Thomas Merton, the Trappist monk, was one of the most powerful spiritual writers of the 20th century. I read him a lot when I was a young priest, a young man. And Merton one time was asked, what's the best thing I can do to improve my prayer life? His answer was, take the time. It's good, simple, clear, direct. You want to improve your prayer life, take the time. If prayer is friendship with God, think of it as a conversation between friends. The most important thing in regard to any friendship is that we take the time. If you say, hey, that person, that's my best friend. Oh, really? How often do you see him? Oh, about once a year? <laughs> well, I mean, by definition, he's not your best friend. Oh, she's my best friend. How often do you talk? Oh, you know, once every six months. She's not your friend. The sign of friendship is that we take the time to pray. When you feel like it, uh-huh. And when you don't feel like it. When you're in the mood to pray, great. But when you're not in the mood to pray, you take the time. Now, I'm a morning person, so for me, morning is the best time to pray. It's the first thing I do when I wake up, is I go to my chapel. As a bishop, I have the privilege of having the Blessed Sacrament in my home. And I go to my chapel and I, I do a holy hour. Morning's a good time for me. Some people are not morning people. They're much better at the end of the day. Okay, great, take the time then. You know, for a lot of us, the car can be a great place to pray. It's like a little monastic cell, isn't it? You're by yourself, you got the time, maybe you've got a rosary hanging from the rearview mirror. Well, good, use it. It's not just a decoration. How about when you're stuck in traffic? You know, you could, you could pound the dashboard in frustration, or you might say, hey, the Lord is inviting me now to spend this time in prayer. Take the time, take the time. Here's my second observation about prayer. I think, friends, in all the great spiritual masters, you'll find this. To pray is to find the center. Let me say it again. To pray is to find the center. Think of our lives, how complicated they are. All the different things that we're, we're concerned about you know, my schedule and what's coming up next and what that person said to me and what I have to do tomorrow. And our minds, therefore, kind of jump around. The Buddhists talk about what they call the monkey mind, a monkey leaping from branch to branch. Well, our minds tend to be like that. They jump around. We're concerned. Remember Martha and Mary? Martha, Martha, you are anxious and upset about many things, right? Mary is chosen, and in the Latin version of that gospel, we find that beautiful phrase, Mary has chosen the unum necessarium, the one thing necessary. Now, mind you, the Lord is not uh, mocking St. Martha for being concerned for hospitality. What he's saying is, your anxiety is coming from the fact that your life is so distracted. You're anxious and upset about all these many things. 
What has Mary found as she sits in contemplative prayer at the feet of the Lord? The unum necessarium, the one thing. Thomas Merton said this when someone asked him, what's contemplative prayer? He said, finding that place in you where you are here and now being created by God. That's gorgeous. I mean, that's Thomas Aquinas. The creation didn't happen just long ago. Creation's happening now. Right now, God is, is bringing us into being. When you pray, you get on that beam. You find that center. You find the one thing that organizes your life into a harmony. You see what I mean? If you've lost the center, then your life is a cacophony of all kinds of conflicting things and preoccupations. But if you find the center in Christ, then all the elements of your life come together around that center. You see now why prayerful people are at peace, even in the midst of all their activities. You know, think of the great saints, preoccupied with all sorts of things, all kinds of people talking to them, all sorts of responsibilities. But the great saints were centered, and therefore their lives took on a harmony and a beauty. I've always loved this line from the philosopher Kierkegaard. He said, a saint is someone whose life is about one thing. Now, notice, please, it doesn't mean that the saint is monotonous or the saint just you know, does, does one thing over and over again. No, the saints had very active and, and variegated lives. But, but in the midst of all of it, they were about one thing. Christ and his kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and the rest will be given unto you. The prayerful person has found the center, the still point. If you like St. Teresa of Avila, the interior castle. Beautiful symbol, isn't it? Because for someone of her time and place, a castle was a place of safety and power. You see again why the saints can move through even dangerous times with such equanimity. It's born of the fact that they regularly live in the interior castle. When someone's scattered all over the place, concerned, anxious all the time, that means they have lost the center. To pray is to find it. Third observation about prayer. Silence. And now here Pope Francis again has been reminding us over and over again. Pope Benedict did it too. The importance of silence. You don't need me to tell you, we live in a very loud and talkative society, right? We're always surrounded by voices, both natural voices and artificial voices on all these machines that we have. We're in constant communication all the time. To pray is to find that silent place where God speaks. 
I want to read you a little quote from Mother Teresa of Calcutta. When I first came across this, it, it took my breath away, and it's really changed the way I approach a lot of things. Listen to this. The fruit of silence is prayer. The fruit of prayer is faith. The fruit of faith is love. The fruit of love is service. The fruit of service is peace. Peace, right? Shalom in the Bible. That's the thing we all want. Everybody in this field. Everybody in this world. That's what we all want. We want pox, peace, shalom. That's what Jesus says. The risen Christ says shalom, peace. That's what we all want, right? Well, how do you find it? Listen again to Mother Teresa. Peace comes at the end of this train. From silence comes prayer. From prayer comes faith. From faith comes love. From love comes service. And from service comes peace. But you've got to begin with silence. Think of Mother Teresa, those wonderful photos of her when she was in prayer. And she spent a lot of time in service, yes indeed, but in prayer. And there she was kind of hunched over, her head down, her legs folded under her, in silent prayer. Thomas Aquinas said, there are two great moves of the will. The will seeks the absent good. Right? So there's a good that I'm looking for, and so I go after it. I, I seek the absent good. But the second move of the will, Thomas says, is to savor the good that we possess. That's beautiful. I, I think we in, in the Western culture, we're really good at the first one. We're good at looking for absent goods. We're a go-go culture. Get me where I need to go. But then, but then, when we're in the presence of the good, we kind of get restless and we're moving on to our next thing. No, no. Savor. Savor the good that you have. What's the silence of prayer? I think it's savoring the absolute good of God. We're, I, look, I, I'm kind of a, a driven person, you know? Like, I, I gotta accomplish something and do, 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 go, go, go. And okay, that's good as far as it goes. But the real joy comes when we can sit quietly, silently, and savor. Do we take the time to do that? To waste time with God. I love that definition of prayer, by the way. To pray is to waste time with God. You say, well, look, I've been, I've been in front of the Blessed Sacrament for an hour. I mean, couldn't I be doing better things? Shouldn't there be somewhere else to go? The answer is no. <laughs> There's nowhere else you should go. Lord, to whom should we go? You've got the words of everlasting life. Or Jesus to the three disciples, couldn't you watch with me for an hour? In silent, savoring adoration. You know, think of this too, everybody. How do you hear the voice of God? We'll go back to that, you know, wonderful story about the prophet Elijah. There he is, and he, and he hears the earthquake rending the mountain, and then the fire comes and the wind comes, all these dramatic manifestations. But then it's that 
quiet, barely audible, whispering voice. And that's the Lord. That's the Lord. How do we hear him? By making silent our own voice, our own minds, our own worries, our own preoccupations, silence that, silence that. And what rises in our heart is the voice of the Lord speaking to us. I've talked to people who are really experienced in prayer and they talk about this deep relaxation in prayer. It goes beyond the merely physical, though it contains that. It goes beyond the merely psychological, though it contains that too. But this deep relaxation of the soul in the presence of the Lord. You can't find that with a lot of bop, 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 talk, talk, talk. It's in silence that we hear. Okay, with that, let me give you a couple of practical recommendations about prayer. And again, inspired by Pope Francis. One way I love to pray, and it comes from the Eastern Christian tradition, is the Jesus Prayer. Do you know that one? It's based on the scriptures. And here's the whole Jesus Prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's the whole prayer. But you repeat it again and again and again. And maybe letting the rhythm of your breathing fall in with that prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, as though you're breathing in his grace. Have mercy on me, a sinner, as though you're breathing out your sin. Again and again, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Pray it for five minutes when you wake up. Pray it for a half an hour when you're stuck in traffic. Pray it for an hour during Eucharistic adoration. Or if you're like the monks of the Eastern Christian Church, people at Mount Athos, for example, you pray it all day because it's gotten so deeply within the rhythm of your soul and your body that you're, as Paul said, praying constantly. The great book, by the way, if you like this Jesus prayer, is called The Way of the Pilgrim. Go get it if you've not read it yet. Marvelous book about a Russian man whose life had kind of bottomed out. He had lost his way. He was a deep sadness and sin. And he goes to one of the Russian spiritual masters. And, and the master says to him, pray the Jesus prayer. Okay, how, how often? Well, go back to your, your room. I want you to pray it a thousand times. And he said, a thousand times? Yes, a thousand times. So he did. And he, he came back triumphantly and said, well, I, I did it. I prayed it a thousand times. He said, good. Now go back and pray it 10,000 times. And that's how the story of the way of the pilgrim begins. As this man begins to internalize the Jesus prayer. See, you see how it brings all the things I've been talking about together. How it silences and quiets the heart. How it finds the center. How you have to take the time to do it. Jesus prayer, I recommend. Second one, you all know this, the rosary. In a way, that's the Western version of, of the Jesus prayer. This beautiful, repetitive prayer of the rosary, which does have a kind of mantra-like quality, doesn't it? 
as you pray the Hail Mary again and again and again, doesn't it, doesn't it calm your soul? It always has that effect on me. And even, even to, to handle the rosary, like when I reach in my pocket and I, I, it's happened to me right now, as I hold it, it just gives me a sense of peace. And then to pray these beads over and over again in this rhythmic way, silencing my soul, helping me find the center. And look, it takes time, doesn't it, the rosary? You know, I'm Irish, uh, ethnically. I was over in, in Dublin some years ago giving a retreat to the priests, and at one evening they said, we're going to pray the rosary. Well, I got there with them, and because I know this from my Irish uh, grandparents, they pray the rosary at about 95 miles an hour. Hail Mary for the grace of the best of the Lord. Hail Mary for the grace of the Lord. Hail Mary. And I mean, it, it was, it took me a second, but what it established in its own interesting way was just that rhythm. Like we just got into this, into this mantra-like space. Okay. Don't you love two in the rosary? You start here and you end up here. <laughs> you don't get anywhere. It, see, this is not the, the seeking, I'm, I'm seeking the absent good. No, I'm savoring the present good. It's taken me time, it's calming me down, it's finding the center, it's getting me nowhere, because that's the whole point of it, is to keep you grounded. So pray the rosary, pray the rosary, pray the rosary. Heck, we're, we're here within, within a few miles of Fatima, where the Blessed Mother asked us very specifically to pray this great prayer. So I recommend it to you, everybody. And then lastly, as we're here, the great privilege of being in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. And the Pope has asked us now, didn't he, a few days ago, to revive the practice of Eucharistic adoration. It's not opposed to the Mass. Don't believe people that say that, that somehow this, you know, this is something and then the Mass, that's the real action. The Church has never understood it that way. Adoration leads to the Mass. The Mass leads to adoration. They feed one another. They imply one another. They're not at odds. Don't believe that. Adoration, look, talk about finding the center. As, as we're gazing at the Lord, wasn't it the, uh, the curie of ours, you know, said, so what happens in Eucharistic adoration? He looks at me, I look at him. Talk about wasting time with the Lord. Finding the center in silence, calming the monkey mind, finding that place where I'm here and now being created by God. It all happens in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. So take the time. My great hero, Fulton Sheen, you know, he taught this every single time he gave a talk to priests. Every single time. He ended his retreat by saying, you should do a holy hour before the Blessed Sacrament every day. I'll tell you the truth, when I was coming of age, Fulton Sheen was kind of someone for our parents. He was, we thought, this sort of old, old-time guy. And we didn't take him all that seriously. But it skipped a generation. And, and the young seminarians that I ended up teaching, they listened to Fulton Sheen, and they began practicing the Holy Hour. And I'll say it to you humbly, I mean, I kind of learned that from them, learned the importance of it. Now, every day of my life, Weekdays, weekends, yep. When I'm working, when I'm on vacation, yep. Every single day, I begin with Blessed Sacrament Adoration. The Pope's called us to it, hasn't he? Let's come back to this wonderful practice. And as we do it, everybody, as we take the time, 
we find the unum necessarium, the unum necessarium, the still point around which everything else revolves. We find the interior castle. We find the place of shalom, the place of peace. So pray, pray, pray.